Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, good to be with you. Last week, uh, I wasn't here. I was a little under the weather, and uh, sometimes it's good to uh, praise God for strange things. So I am praising God today for being sick for something other with other than COVID. Amen. <laughs> so it, uh, you know, oh, like oh no, I'm going to be sick again. And uh, so it's a couple of uh, COVID tests later that uh, all came back negative, and uh, which brings you back to the days of pregnancy tests and. Um, <laughs> It was just, it was just all kinds of, just all kinds of weird. I'm like, hey, it's negative. Oh, oh yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, I am, I am an incredibly strange fellow. Um, speaking of strange things, we're having a little bit of a debate um, before the service that we might need you guys to help us with. So, um, you get to vote this morning um, on uh, whether something's a Christmas movie or not. <clears throat> so. I, well, that's on the list. Um, so there was lots of uh, debates about what qualifies something as a Christmas movie or not, and there was no uh, clear winner, although everyone lost. So, so we need your help. So um, the first movie, if you think this is a Christmas movie, uh, just raise your hands. Um, the Christmas Story. All right, most, most people, you shoot your eye out. All right. Um, a Wonderful Life. About the same. Interesting. Um, all right. Die Hard. Are there any women raising their couple? We've got a couple. Like, yeah. Family tradition. It has nothing to do with Christmas. Um, although I'm pretty sure that Jesus is mentioned probably several times. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody asked me this morning about any jokes planned. I said, no, they just come naturally. Um, <clears throat> all right, uh, Home Alone. I know, it depends on which version, right? Um, uh, all right, um, Elf. Wow. Wow. Uh, good for you, for people keeping your hands down, staying strong. Um, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas, any version. All right. It, uh, I, I love Christmas. Um, I love um, everything about it. I've, I've loved Christmas since I was a kid. And much of my life, um, Christmas um, was about so many things other than um, Jesus, other than the fact that it was his birthday, which was cool and all. But, but it was about um, Christmas morning. It was about um, big, fat um, Christmas trees. Um, it was about tinsel and garland and bubble lights. Um, it was about stockings. It was about um, presents under the tree. It was about um, getting a new outfit um, to wear for Christmas Eve service. It was about candlelights, uh, candles and singing uh, with candlelights. It was about Christmas carols. It was about um, going to um, my Aunt Arlene and my Uncle Charlie's house on Christmas Eve um, after Christmas Eve service. It was about going to my grandparents and wondering, um, when in the world do we get to go home <laughs> um, from here? And um, I, I just loved um, the Christmas season and um, everything about it. And oftentimes, I, I try to figure out in, in some of these movies, like, well, who, who would I be? Um, you know, like the Christmas story, well, would I, would I be Ralphie? Um, and the, the Christmas story, um, in Die Hard, I don't... Uh, no, um, there's not anyone in um, that. Um, Home Alone, I can't really identify with, but um, man, what are some cool pranks that happen 
an elf. I don't know that anybody wishes they were elf. No, no one? Good, because that would just be weird. Um, but in The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, in the most uh, recent animated version, um, the character I most identify with is Mr. Bricklebaum. Does anyone know who Mr. Bricklebaum is? Um, he's, um, he's kind of a, um, a round, jovial character. He's got a big, bushy beard. He's super excited um, about Christmas, and he has everybody over to the house with his party when the Grinch steals the sleigh. He's an awesome guy. And um, I, I identify with him because, man, he, he was just stoked about everything that Christmas was going to be. And he wanted everyone around him, including the Grinch, to be excited with him about Christmas. And, man, I identify with Mr. Bricklebaum. So as you watch it, probably this week, um, you're going to be like, Mr. Bricklebaum, who's that? You'll probably get to the end of it and be like... <laughs> I don't know who, who that was, but I, I really um, loved him because Mr. Bricklebaum, he had something exciting um, in his heart and his mind about what Christmas was and was going to be, and he wanted everyone to know it. But as I was preparing um, this week and, and reading the passage that we're going to look at, I began to wonder, what would it be like if I was Mr. Bricklebaum with so much excitement? about Christmas and what was going to come, but I couldn't speak, and I couldn't hear, and I couldn't um, enjoy um, all of these things. And it brings us back to Zechariah and where we left off um, last week in Luke chapter 1, where earlier in the chapter we're told that because of Zechariah's unbelief that he was made mute. Um, he couldn't speak, and in verse 62, we're also told that people um, didn't really speak to him, but rather they made signs to him. So it's also possible that he, he couldn't even hear, and um, that would just be really difficult for nine months of silence, waiting for his child to be born. So I took some time to think this week, well, what, what would life be like if, if um, I was silent um, and deaf for nine months? And some of you are like, amen, we should, we should totally try this for real. In fact, let's start now. Um, no, we're not going to do that. Um, but today, I, I wouldn't be able to, to stand before you and, and, and read and talk about um, God's Word. I wouldn't be able to lead um, our student ministry. I wouldn't be able to have any counseling meetings, no phone calls. Um, I wouldn't be able to listen to music, and my family will tell you I love listening to Christmas music, and I'm a little disappointed that a certain radio station isn't playing it all December long. Um, little side note. Um, I probably wouldn't watch TV because I couldn't hear it, um, and I wouldn't really have any conversations with friends for nine months of just total silence. And imagine that. Let's just take five. Imagine nine months of that. <laughs> um, how just crazy that would be. But there's lots of things that I wouldn't do, but I've got to imagine that there are probably many things that I would do. I would um, think a whole lot more about things. I'm confident that I would pray a whole lot more. I'd probably read those books that have been on my desk for a year and a half that I've been putting off. I'm confident that I'd be much more interested in journaling my focus would be heightened. I would be paying attention um, to all things that are going on. 
I would try to listen, although I couldn't hear. I would try to read lips more intently of what someone was saying to me. I'm oftentimes um, accused and guilty of um, not hearing what my family says. Does anyone else do this? You're all in the living room together. The TV's kind of on. And, you know, 30 seconds later, everyone's laughing at me. And they're like, you didn't hear a thing I said, did you? Does this happen to anybody else? All right. Several men. Good job. And, and, and I'm like, look, I'm watching TV. We're all sitting here watching a movie together. If you want to, like, pause the movie to have me listen to you, that, that would make sense. Yep. Thank you. You need to go home with me this afternoon. I've got some people you need to talk to. <laughs> like, let's just do one thing at a time. Um, I've also got to imagine that I would probably look in um, to the eyes of my wife much more often um, than I do. I'd probably watch my kids closer um, to see how they're feeling, um, to be able to gauge uh, what they're thinking. I might probably understand things much, much better as distractions would be removed and my priorities would probably be resolved pretty quickly. So for Zechariah, he's had nine months of waiting. Nine months of waiting in silence, um, listening to God as to what was about to happen, which leads us to where we're going to launch um, today. And there's a couple things that I'd like for us to really um, get today. First, um, to know that Jesus um, is the promised Messiah and that he has come bringing salvation for all who would take it. I would like us to feel strengthened in our conviction that Jesus is, he really is who he said he was, that he is the Messiah, um, come as a baby. And I'd love um, for us um, just to, to prepare the way for his coming back, that we would be people uh, much about the same mission as John the Baptist, that we would prepare the way, speaking of salvation, about the Messiah and that he was to come. I've asked Mark to come this morning to read um, our passage for this morning, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 67. John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. God, today, as, as we have heard your word, and God, as we long to look into it, 
God, our prayer today is that um, you uh, would be exalted, that you would um, enable us to hear, that you would remove distractions uh, from our hearts and minds, enable our ears to hear, and God, that we would hear you, and God, that you might change us. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So as we look at Luke 1, verses 67 and 68, it says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is the moment where um, the baby was brought to him um, to be named. And um, Zechariah had been mute and likely deaf for nine months. And here in this moment, um, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And these are the first words uh, recorded that he said in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Um, First, I I want us to see the fact that um, Zechariah, that he had been rebuked by the angel um, nine months earlier for his unbelief. And oftentimes, I think uh, we as people, um, we're rebuked for things in our life, for sin in our life. And oftentimes I think that leads us um, down a path of, of shame and guilt, and we think that uh, we're no longer usable by the God of the universe. I'm encouraged, and I, and I, and I want us to see, to not just pass up this moment, that Zechariah was one of those people. I mean, he was, he was made mute and deaf for nine months <laughs> as a rebuke for his unbelief earlier. But here... God uses him, that there is hope um, for us as we struggle with our sin. And maybe you're here this morning, and you're in a season of rebuke. I want you to know that there is hope, that God still has plans for you. But he was filled uh, with the Holy Spirit, and uh, his, his words as he prophesied are, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. This idea um, that he has visited, it's not that he will visit. (laughs) He says that he has visited. Zechariah was so sure of what um, was happening, what was to come, that he knew that God had visited his people. And keep in mind, too, that here in this moment, Um, God had been um, seemingly silent for over 400 years, that they haven't heard from a prophet um, in 400 years. (laughs) And here, Zechariah begins to speak these words um, to the people of Israel um, in the naming of his son. Um, For us, I want us to also remember that God has visited his people in the past. He had visited them personally. That God had visited his people and he delivered them, as we read about in Exodus, um, chapter 3 and 4. He visited his people in the famine when he gave him bread. And in Ruth, we're also reminded um, that God visited um, his people. Normally, God uh, came through the prophets, um, but here it says that he um, came himself and visited them. It also says that he redeemed his people. And redemption here for us to to keep in mind that it might not mean exactly what Paul later uh, means by redemption. 
It may be more like what Moses thought in Exodus um, chapter 6, that there is a, a national redemption, an earthly redemption that is to come to where the Messiah will come and he will be king um, over um, his people, that they would be rescued and redeemed from Roman rule, uh, much like Moses did regarding Egypt um, many, many years ago. Jesus had spent uh, much time um, trying to convince his disciples um, that there was more than just this earthly kingdom that was about to come. And here, as we look at um, Zechariah's prophecy, it's likely that um, he didn't quite fully understand um, this redemption that was about to happen. So as we kind of move into this, um, Zechariah likely thought that it was an earthly redemption, um, but there's, there's hints of more um, that come later um, in this passage, that come later in this song. And for this reason um, that Jesus was sent, he was sent to redeem his people. So as we dive into this passage, uh, we'll see that Jesus um, fulfills two Old Testament prophecies. Jesus, the Messiah, is going to fill, fulfill the Davidic prophecies of King, and he is also going to fulfill the prophecies of the Abrahamic covenant. And for the children of Israel um, to hear these things on the front end of Jesus' life, for Zechariah to have spent nine months in silence learning these things um, from God, and You've got to imagine um, he was bursting um, to want to share <laughs> some of these things, um, that these things are going to be fulfilled and the Messiah um, is coming. Um, it's, 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 it's just incredibly um, an exciting moment. <clears throat> so first, let's look at um, how Jesus fulfills the Davidic covenant. Uh, we can see that um, in Chronicles and in Samuel. Um, that there was a promised um, child to be born to Mary. He was a descendant of David, we learned about earlier in Luke chapter 1, who would rule um, over that seed um, and the soil um, that uh, the children of Israel were to be given. So let's look at uh, verse 69. And it says, and, and has raised a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The Lord will redeem his people. So verse um, 69 talks about this, um, these words, this horn of salvation. And um, if you're like me, um, you have often thought most of your life that um, this horn of salvation was to be like some sort of trumpet um, that was to be um, played uh, during a battle, um, but it's, it's actually not. Um, if you look at Psalm 92, verse 10, it says, But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. In Psalm 92, this horn is that of a wild ox. So if you can picture an ox in its horns. Um, certainly not a trumpet. In Psalm 92, we learn that these horns are a deadly weapon um, of the ox. They're a symbol of strength and victory over enemies. In Psalm 148, it says um, that he has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. He has raised up a horn. In Micah, which we... Um, would have read earlier. It says, Rise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron. 
and I will make your hoofs bronze. You shall beat in pieces of many peoples and shall devote their gain to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. And in Psalm 132, it says, There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed, and his enemies I will clothe with shame. But on him, his crown will shine. This idea of this horn of salvation, it's that of a wild ox. It is something to be used in battle. Um, It is not um, a trumpet um, that is to be sounded. And for us, as as Zechariah is talking about this horn of salvation that has come, what he is referring to is that there will be earthly victory. There will be a new kingdom here on earth for God's people. That this salvation that he later speaks of, um, in his mind, in this moment, at least in this verse, this horn of salvation, redeems them um, from the hand of Rome. So let's look further into verse um, 71. This idea that the Messiah uh, will save us from our enemies and those um, who hate us. Zechariah is expecting that um, Jesus was coming, and the Messiah was coming, as we mentioned, to rescue them from the hands of Rome. And then in verse 72, again to remind us, the Messiah will fulfill the Davidic covenant. He will show mercy promised in the Davidic covenant. The second exciting prophecy that's about to be fulfilled is the Abrahamic covenant. And the birth of Jesus assures that the fulfillment of it will happen in him. Look in verse 73, it says, The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. So what is this Abrahamic covenant that the Messiah is going to fulfill? In Genesis 12, it says, Now that the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And here it is. And I will make you a great nation, Abraham. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Keep in mind, (laughs) they've been waiting for these prophecies to be fulfilled, not just years or decades, For centuries, they've been waiting for the promised Messiah, for the promised King to be coming. And here at John's naming ceremony, Zechariah begins to prophesy that these things indeed have happened, that the Messiah is here, that he has visited us to redeem his people. And as we look at the Abrahamic covenant, um, basically, In essence, it says that God would make Abraham the founder of a great nation and that God would someday give Palestine over forever um, to Abraham's seed. It was an unconditional um, promise, covenant that God made with Abraham and that the whole earth would be blessed through him. Verses 74 and 75, we see that the Messiah he also um, gives us a standing before God and others. The redemption spoken of earlier in verse 68 
um, must include the redemption um, from fear and righteousness or unrighteousness. In verse 74, it says that we will serve him without fear. In verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. This redemption must be more than that of just an earthly deliverance. It must be more than just an earthly king and an earthly kingdom. It must be more than just getting away from the rule of Rome. This idea to serve him in holiness and righteousness means that spiritual salvation must happen, not just earthly salvation. The repentance has been sought, and forgiveness of sin has been granted. The magnitude of what Zechariah is saying is huge. It's absolutely huge. But how can this be? We're reminded that in verse 68, when Zechariah said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. That he understood more than just this earthly deliverance. But he understood that they would be spiritually redeemed. The Messiah, Jesus, he was going to save his people. Not just here on earth, but for eternity. The horn of salvation, it wasn't just talking about this earthly rescue in battle but it was a spiritual one. Jesus has come to redeem his people. Friends, this is good news. This is incredible news that the Messiah has come to redeem his people, to rescue us, to give us salvation forever. And Jesus, he's the horn. (laughs) And the horn declares victory. And victory has indeed been won. And if this is the story of Christmas, how do we, how do I, so oftentimes miss it so terribly? How does our culture miss it so terribly? As a kid, um, even as an adult, and much of my adulthood, um, Christmas has been about all of those things. Mom's cinnamon rolls, fat Christmas trees, um, bubble lights, all of those things that I would have mentioned before. I mean, certainly, certainly, (laughs) the Messiah coming to rescue us forever is much more important, even than mom's cinnamon rolls, (laughs) even than bubble lights, fat Christmas trees, even than fun Christmas movies that have nothing to do with Christmas. (laughs) It is such good news Um, that Zechariah is talking about. But I believe that the reason we oftentimes, that I oftentimes miss it, is because I either don't know or I forget that I need it, that I need the salvation that Jesus came to bring. And as um, you invite people um, to Christmas Eve service, to come to celebrate Christmas with your family, as you share the gospel with someone at work in your neighborhood, on the basketball court or the ball diamond, how is it that they don't see such great news um, that's being shared? They don't see a need for it. I just want to encourage us today to be people of prayer that God would open people's eyes 
to see the need for Jesus. That he would open our eyes, even those of us um, who have had a moment in our life where we've repented and turned from sin and chosen to accept um, this gift of grace um, that God has given us. That oftentimes we can forget it too. We forget that we need Jesus. We have things like, well, 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 he is the reason for the season and and those kinds of things. But I want to encourage us to really remember what great, incredible news um, that this is. Sometimes when you think about um, this idea of not realizing um, a need for a gift, um, my mother-in-law is here today. Um, She oftentimes buys me some fun gifts. And um, several years ago, um, she bought me this stuff. You know, we do stockings. We do stockings. Um, so we do stockings. Most of my gifts come in stockings. Um, a stocking. Um, stockings would be just fine. <laughs> so pulling out some stuff, and, you know, there's gift cards and socks and, you know, normal kinds of things, which are wonderful and great. Need all of those. But I pull out this box, and it's called, this stuff called Miracle Tape. And I'm like... All right, <laughs> thanks. And I'm not, I wasn't sure in the moment, like, well, is this something that maybe there was a commercial on TV or there was an ad in a magazine, you know, that every man needs miracle tape. And, and it was the kind of thing, I think, I think that year all of the dudes got it, right, at Christmas, you know, um, which one year my mom did that with underwear. Pro tip. Um, don't buy everybody at Christmas the same pair of underwear. It's just, it's incredibly weird. But not my mother-in-law. She didn't do that. Um, she bought me Miracle Tape. But in the moment, I'm like, I, what, I don't even know what Miracle Tape is. Pretty sure I don't need it. And, I mean, and what, what's miraculous about tape? Until that day. As I'm sitting there um, under my kitchen sink, I've already replaced them, the pipe, three times. I've tried to make sure it was level, but somehow um, water kept leaking out of this stupid pipe. Has <laughs> anybody ever been there? <laughs> and I'm no plumber. I'm sure if I was, it would have been like five minutes and done and worked, but no, it had been days I'd been working on this. And, you know, there's the, my wife's old cake pan is in the bottom of the cabinet, catching water, and um, kept coming loose. So mad. So I'm out there, as I often do, and I'm like, man, looking at my tools in the garage, and I'm like, okay, what could I use to fix this? I mean, MacGyver's my hero. <laughs> and I'm like, I go into my bottom drawer, you know, the drawer of all of your tools, guys, that's got stuff that you've thrown in there that you, maybe I'll need that someday, but I don't know what it, uh, most of it is. And I pull out this box of miracle tape. And I'm like, huh. I need a miracle right now. (laughs) And it talks about how it's good for plumbing. And I'm like, I don't know what this stuff is or how to use it yet, but that's what I need. And doggone it, I went there and under the cabinet, I wrapped that pipe in miracle tape. And lo and behold, the stuff was awesome. I don't know if you've got miracle tape. I don't even know if it's still in the market or if that's what it's called. But you, you don't need all those stupid plumbing fixtures. Just get you some miracle tape and start strapping some stuff together. 
But years before, at Christmas, as I pulled it out of my stocking, I didn't realize I needed it. But oh, the excitement, the moment I realized that I needed miracle tape. Man, how I wish that we would oftentimes see Jesus this way. That we would realize that, oh, we desperately need him each and every day. Um, every moment of our lives, we need Jesus. We need him. We need him. So Zechariah has kind of laid out um, this prophecy um, that the Messiah, um, he now turns to his son in verse um, 76. Because he's remember, he's there to give him his son, his son his name. And in verse 76, it says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us on high, from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. What is it that John's job is going to be, his son, that he is there to name? It is to prepare the way for the Lord, who is the, he's a prophet of the Most High. Imagine, dads, for a minute, that moment where you're debating in, in the hospital room, well, what are we going to name him? I don't know. <laughs> you got a book? <laughs> what are the most popular names? Oh, I don't want that one. Uh, we don't want those initials. Um, imagine having this at the naming of your son to know that he will be a prophet of the Most High, that He will prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. Wow, what a, a profound moment. And um, to know that He will be the one that will proclaim um, the words of the Lord, that salvation is coming, that God's promised mercy is coming, and that the days of silence are coming to an end. And this is my son's job. This is what he's going to do. Man, what a moment. And to think of the, this, the picture of, of the words that are used in these verses um, going throughout here, to remember that you've lived in darkness as a people for 400 years, but that the sun is about to rise, giving light to all who have sat in the darkness and that this light will bring salvation to our souls. We will serve him without fear, shame, or guilt, and that this light will be a guide for our feet in the way of peace. His job, John the Baptist's job, was going to be incredible. Absolutely incredible. The Messiah, as Zechariah has prophesied, he has visited us. He has visited us, and he has come to redeem his people. This is why he was here. And John the Baptist, as his job was to prepare the way. I think our job, in part at least, is to prepare the way for his coming again. To tell others about this good news of great joy. It is our job. And as I've grown older, and I think much of um, Whoville and Mr. Bricklebaum, 
in his excitement. My excitement has turned, although not completely. I, I still have much repentance to do, apparently. Although not completely from all of the things that Christmas brings, but it's turned to the excitement that the Messiah has come and how good that news is. So if there are three things that um, I want to challenge us to, to think about today, first is to ask the question, do you know? Do you know the salvation that Zachariah speaks of? You know it. And, and if there's not something of excitement that jumps in your soul of this, this salvation, you, you might not know of what I'm talking about. And if you do not, there is no finer day than today to know this great Messiah. Two, are you and I, are we prepared to share this salvation with others? Are we every day going out and telling the world that the Messiah has come? Not just at Christmas and Christmas Eve, although certainly those are great opportunities, but every day are we out there telling the world that the Messiah has come? And three, to think about this week, what can we do to be guided by the light of Christ, that we, that our feet um, might be guided into the way of peace. As we think about this on holidays in a world that's kind of a mess, for us to be guided in the way of peace, certainly it is about eternal peace, um, that our souls would find rest in our Savior. But that peace ought to exude from us as God's people. It ought to exude from us at our dysfunctional family gatherings. I, I have them, maybe you do too at times. It ought to exude from us with um, that crazy lady at Target um, that thinks that she should get in line before everyone else. It ought to exude from us when somebody doesn't know how to use turn signals. It, it ought to exude from us and that we would be people that our feet would be guided in the way of peace. So let's pray. God, today, <clears throat> there's much um, that we have to learn. There's much that um, we need to change. But God, my hope um, today is that indeed you have opened um, our ears, that um, we have heard you, and God, that uh, you um, are changing us. God, may we see this God of peace. May we see the Messiah. And God, may we be changed. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.